I'd like to welcome everyone to the Pacific Institute's Kitchen Table. The intent of the Kitchen Table is to provide a platform where we are able to share and discuss the dynamic world of cognitive science and the specific role it plays in performance. I'd like to introduce our co-hosts, Greg Coughlin and Ron Medved from the Pacific Institute. They have over four decades of experience working with hundreds of organizations on applying cognitive psychology and science. Pull up a chair, let's get started. Welcome back to the kitchen table, everyone. Greg Coughlin here with Ron Medved and Dave Dirksen. We're gonna continue our work on discussion on the Wisdom Project, but specifically the work that we've done on the, developing a model, which, which we call the Wisdom Practice Model. In today's topic, we're gonna to really strive to be able to put into practice what we're talking about. Just heads up, it would be helpful if you look on the detail of the podcast, there is a link to developmental theory and spiral dynamics delivered by Don Beck and Claire Graves. It might be helpful to have a reference, or if you'd like to go back to our podcast 75, part one, two, three, and four, and we go deeper into what is developmental theory. Dave Dirksen does a wonderful job today in referencing why we speak coordinated towards the developmental level. Please grab a coffee, sit back and enjoy. I've been thinking about the reason that we speak in a social setting or any setting really. Why do we speak? And I think it's related to developmental stages that we've looked at. So if I am at a self-focused individual red level of development, I speak to advance myself. If I'm at a blue level, I speak to offer clarity on the rules, on what's right and what's wrong. If I'm at an orange stage, I speak to advance innovation and creativity. Mm -hmm. If I'm at a if I'm at a green level, I speak for the world's people, like the uh, what's just. And if I'm at if I'm at yellow, I speak to offer an integrative perspective for the benefit of myself and others. And so I'm just really struck by the rationale behind speaking and, and our motivation. The motivation behind our speaking determines what we end up saying. It's all tied up to our developmental uh, level. I think that's spot on. Now, take the same riff, why do I speak, mm -hmm. to go to why is it okay to be vulnerable? And if you're using the same developmental stratas, or would I be vulnerable in a red, blue, or orange state? Probably not. But would yes. I be vulnerable yeah. at a higher level state? Then yeah. the other thing is that if you place, are you afraid? You same, same question, Dave, to the same framework. Are you afraid and why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? So in green state, what are you afraid of? Would you have an answer? Injustice, um, wide inequity. And why would you be afraid in in red? You're afraid for your own 
advancement, you're threatened, your ego, your self-concept is threatened, or, or you're afraid of being limited in your self-expression. I'd be afraid of losing control. Yeah. And in green or yellow, you're trying to give up control. You're trying to spread out control. Yeah. Blue, you're definitely afraid of things getting out of control. You want the rules in place and you want people to follow them. I want to come back, if I can, to, you know, the keys to the model. If you had questions like, are you afraid? And if so, what are you afraid of? And if you had, are you afraid of giving up control? Are you afraid of safety? Are you afraid of losing? Are you afraid of injustice? So you could have a a series of questions. Are you comfortable being vulnerable? How vulnerable are you comfortable being? And in in red or green or red or orange, you're probably not as comfortable being uncomfortable with vulnerability. But in green and yellow, you would, wouldn't you? You'd be really comfortable being vulnerable. In, In tier two, it strikes me that, you know, yellow or turquoise, your level of certainty is diminished because you realize that things are are multifaceted they're complex they integrate various perspectives from various developmental stages and that knowing and being certain is not really an option <laughs> so you become more comfortable with not knowing when you move to tier two yeah. i think part of it is that Everything in tier one, like from tribalism right up to the social justice warriors of of the green, it's still rooted in your own ego. It's still you're still expressing who you are in particular. Like you're you're focused on who you are as opposed to a tier two, who we are or who the collective is. Yeah, I yeah. think that I think that those are really good distinctions, Dave. So Again, I'm going to say I, I'm getting that my original question, which is, you know, how much should we take this um, professional uncertainty or this professional lack of having to have a, an opinion, a part of wisdom? What I hear you, you guys saying and is that it's an important part of wisdom, you know, to sort of not not necessarily have a goal to be right or to be the smartest person in the room. So what is your intention? You know, what what is your higher level objective when when you're playing, you know, without that requirement to be the smartest person in the room? You're facilitating what? A higher order of truth, a, a higher order of self-expression, you know, among everybody in the room? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's something like that. Yeah. If I just play with this a little bit further, is why do I speak? And what Dave, you're saying, depending yeah, on what what tier I'm coming from, I speak for different reasons. And and the the second part of the question is what do I speak? And if you're at a d- different developmental level, it doesn't really matter what you speak as long as it's party line. It's congruent to the belief, the collective beliefs. But what do I speak? You know, so we go to Israel and Palestine conversation and our ability to speak about some pro-Palestinian position 
you you would be out of sync with a lot of people on pro-Israeli. And so not only what do I speak, but why do I speak? And the other thing that sort of illuminates for me is my my worldview identifies why and how I speak, because I can speak egocentrically, I can speak ethnocentrically, I can speak world-centrically. So there's an there's a what and a why and probably a how. And the thing is, in the absence of accurate information, if I my reason to speak is get a point, to be right, to prove that I'm smart, it potentially messes up your speech because your the integrity of your your speak is compromised because now you're just like, and I was trying to illustrate in my glass of wine discussion, I fell prey to looking for feeling good about getting a point. I felt good about being smart. So my why and what I was speaking about becomes critically important. And the, what you told me, Dave, or what I heard, Dave, is knowing your own motivation is probably a significant key to to wisdom is why do i speak what do i speak and answer those questions but it's hard to do that while you're in play like when you're on the court it's hard to build the stimulus and response and i think that's where you know you your key last time ron is about building time to percolate or to process or incubate is really important because it gives you a space between the stimulus and the likelihood of speaking for the wrong reason. Yeah. When we were talking about this last time, my own particular current story was I found myself in the middle of a family discussion about kind of controversial things, you know, in the family. And the more we talked, the less confidence I had in anything. I thought I had my version of the story, but as I heard other people's versions of the story or other people's input anyway, you know, I, I became less and less uh, sure of myself. Uh, I mean, I didn't talk about that explicitly, but that's what I felt. And mm. and then as I considered the conversation afterwards, you know, I said to myself, you know, gee, there's something to learn here for me. And maybe the learning is only that Things oftentimes only get complicated when other people's, you know, points of view come in, especially when it's about family matters. Mm-hmm. You know, that that may be all I'm going to get out of this. And actually, that's about as far as I am right now in my own, you know, my own thinking. But in in some way, that's wisdom, too, you know, to be able to sort of not draw a conclusion about a confusing conversation just to have a conclusion i've got no conclusion you know i'm basically still in the space of don't know and and Mm -hmm. i think that i would like to think that's wise rather than try to force something what do you guys think i think that mature wise thinking has a couple of hallmarks that you're pointing to one is the comfort with ambiguity yeah that that simplicity and clarity winners and losers right wrong is 
part of a lower level of thinking when when you get to a place of integrative wisdom i think you're comfortable with gray with yes and that there are multiple perspectives and they're all legitimate in their own way and so i think that's that's a big thing so comfort with ambiguity um acknowledgement of complexity again multiple perspectives that that can all have legitimacy and then i guess the empathy for yourself and others to withhold judgment i think you you've hit on those three thanks for summarizing that with comfort with ambiguity, ambiguity. Um, yeah acknowledgement yeah. of the complexity and then the third is is, is the is the the empathy for yourself and others to to hear and acknowledge those positions and and treat them without harsh judgment openness yeah I, to build on both of you is that when ron you talked about not hardening your truth on it and having some flex to it i kept on thinking of plasticity of thought that i i uh-huh. and i think also when you're trying to articulate or to say what you're thinking sometimes you haven't got it clearly thought out and you need patience or empathy to allow me to say it without jumping on me to you know be wrong and so i think there's sort of a, a grace given uh, or give yourself grace with trying to articulate where you are but know that this is probably frustratingly more ambiguous and more complex than you actually because that's why we're still debating these things i mean why is there conflict in israel and palestine been going on for centuries because it's a complex issue and so now we're in conversation on it publicly and we're having discussions and what the risk that you have in immaturity or lack of wisdom is hardening your belief and not having the gray and that it's possible that both hold some truth and value in their belief systems both are both villains and victims yeah i believe there's an there is a knowledge component to wisdom I don't want to I don't want to throw that out that everything's just relative like when you've done research when you've been in, deeply involved in reading and thinking about an issue or a conflict or whatever it is I I think that part of the expression of wisdom is to speak what you know to this point here's what I've learned these are the things that seem significant but to advance them in a way that is not definitive or somehow closes the learning but just introduces some things that for you seem from your perspective to warrant consideration and and to offer those because it can sound otherwise like we just sort of sit and listen and nod and stroke our chins and never offer anything to a, to a conversation because and that's not really dialogue either like we we want to be participants and make contributions it's just the the spirit of them is and that comes back to that empathy for yourself and others that openness these things that i've read a lot about and hear some writers who are saying these things they they seem to be worthy of consideration and important i'm not sure like it's not a definitive statement but you know 
throw those on the table so that you're offering something to the conversation. That's that's wisdom too, because it's not always just about asking and listening and and uh, you know never offering anything. I was just going to say that reminds me of uh, something I heard yesterday. There was a news program that was talking about a recent poll, and I don't know about you guys, but I I be, polls are becoming less credible in my own my own mind because so many of them you know don't turn out to be true however this poll yesterday was that basically it said if you're over 60 years old and you're in the united states you're maybe 65 or 75 percent favorable to the u.s's foreign policy okay that you're generally favorable for U.S. foreign policy. However, if you're under 35 years old, you're 80% in disfavor of American foreign policy. Now, I'm really hoping for the younger generation to come to the rescue on a lot of the crisis that we find ourselves in. But it's interesting, you know, what... Where what's the truth in that? You know, uh, what can we what can we draw from that? I mean, I can I can start start drawing uh, conclusions about why the older generation might be like they are and why the younger generation might be where they are. You know, but those would just be first impressions of what I think's going on. But uh, I mean, I I would probably say something like, well, the older generation, you know, we're more stuck in our stuck in our way, and we we thought about these things before, and we formed an opinion about the younger generation. You know, I might say, well, it's 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 the nature of a younger generation to be idealistic and actually to be the first one to protest, you know, about something that's not that's not right so it doesn't surprise me that they would that they would be dissatisfied with our foreign policy and again this doesn't just happen in a vacuum the context is probably we got uh, the ukraine russian conflict you know that us is supporting uh, ukraine and then we've got this israel palestinian you know conflict where we're supporting israel for the most part and you have, you know, the idealistic young person that says, why can't we have peace? And why do we have to keep fighting wars? And uh, the older generation, of course, is, you know, too experienced, you know, to sort of go for any of those. We've seen how the world works, right? So I don't know. That was just my riff, you know, 24 hours later. I'm still thinking about it, though. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure about what what i just said that was just my first impression so you know the funny part is that as you were telling the poll numbers and i fall into the above 60 category i was fighting the urge to to speak <laughs> and tell you what i think and why i think it and i have uh-huh. no i have no information other than you just gave me like it's it's so fascinating how biologically wired I am to respond with something. You give me the poll and I'm, I literally was following my thought process and saying, here's what I would say and why I would say it. 
and it's really, I think, my takeaway today was, you know, and thank you, Dave, for one, the developmental framework and, and but putting the question, I mean, Ron, you put the question of fear and certainty and uncertainty and they sort of up in for discussion. But Dave, you really hit it on the maturity that it takes to be thoughtful in terms of why you speak, what do you speak, and when do you speak? Because, you know, admittedly, as you were telling me the poll numbers, Ron, I gapped out on the younger generation because I was preparing my rebuttal. Like, and so I, I didn't even catch, you know, the, the second part of your sentence because I was preparing my rebuttal on what I wanted to speak, why I want to speak it, and when I wanted to speak it. As, as an over 60 person. Yeah, or as just a human being. So That's over 60. <laughs> yeah, but I was just yeah. thinking how powerful that question is. Why do I think? And you know what? Um, that is a wonderful question. The other thing that I was, you know, you you use, Dave, and it's just a general reminder, is that my wine discussion is a discussion. It's not a dialogue. And if I was wanting to learn and grow and develop, it would be in a dialogue, not in a discussion. Because the the casualty of discussion is win-lose. The, the benefit of dialogue is that, you know, there isn't a winner and loser. You don't keep score by points. Dave, any closing comments on that? Or I think it's really important to acknowledge the motivation that people have in any conversation. And that comes back to developmental level. Do I need to be asserting my will, my ego, my opinion forcefully or am, am I working at a social justice level so I, I feel like I've got to be a crusader here and um, make a point and try to change other people's opinions or am I working at a kind of integrative a higher tier two level where I can actually hear people and and grow and and be open to integrating various points of view so so motivation is huge and then this idea that there's emotion in everything so in order for people to be able to hear, uh, they need to feel safe and, and uh, supported and comfortable. So that's, that's, and that goes for ourselves in, in the conversations that we have as well. So those are a couple of things that really stood out to me today. Thank you for joining us today. On our next podcast, we're going to go a little bit deeper into the actual application and practice of the wisdom practice model. I hope you will join us. Be well. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with the Pacific Institute. If you like what you heard today, click the like button, or perhaps share this podcast with friends and family. For more information on TPI or how to get in contact with us, please visit www.tpikitchentable.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. See you next time at the kitchen table.